I'm Jude Jennison, author of the book Leading Through Uncertainty and host of this, the series four of the Leading Through Uncertainty podcast. And in this series, we're recording live at the time of the global coronavirus pandemic. And at the current time of recording, the UK is on lockdown and has been for the last week. So this is a massive amount of uncertainty for all of us. And I am planning over the next few weeks to be sharing some of my thoughts on uncertainty, what I'm seeing, uh, what I'm personally experiencing, some of the conversations that I'm having with clients, with colleagues, with friends. So sharing some of my insights and I'll be interspersing that with some interviews from some of the leaders in business who um, are willing to spend half an hour of their time to generously share their insights into what's happening for them. Because one of the things that I'm recognising is that uncertainty affects us all in different ways at different times. People have different emotional responses to it. It impacts their physical and emotional and mental well-being differently. And we all have a different experience. So some businesses are busier under the um, pandemic and the lockdown, whilst others have no income whatsoever. And so everybody's experience is different. And this is a chance to share live from the from the front line of some of those businesses. What is it like for them in the hope that we have an increased understanding of each other as we go through this process? Um, because I'm recording live um, on as we go through the, the pandemic, it's slightly different from the previous podcasts where in the past I've interviewed leaders on their previous experiences and we've unpicked past events that they've gone through, what they've learned from it um, and what they would do differently. This time we're right in the middle of it. So we may not get the same insights Um that we get when we look in hindsight, but we'll be getting the insights that we get when we're right in the middle of uncertainty. So this week, I had the absolute pleasure and privilege of interviewing Fergal Dowling from Erwin Mitchell, a law firm, and he is head of employment law and um, busier than ever dealing with all the furloughing and all the knock-on effect of the, the lockdown. So um, sit back, have a listen. He has got so many things to share with us. I'm really excited for this one. Hi, Fergal. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, Jude. Nice, very nice, very nice to be with you. And uh, and we meet under slightly unusual circumstances, don't we, with the global pandemic going on at the moment? But we'll we'll come to that in a moment. But first of all, can you tell us who you are and what you do? Yes, of course. Yeah, um, I'm Fergal Dowling. I'm a partner with um, national law firm Erwin Mitchell and I am the national head of our employment and pensions team which is looking after teams across seven or eight offices across the UK um, about 19 people. Okay so I'm guessing with what's going on today that you're quite busy with employment law. Tell, tell me how is the how is the coronavirus pandemic affecting you? We are on our knees with uh, advising clients. Uh, I've got people, understandably, uh, advising clients length and breadth of the country, and we have got an enormous amount of um, 
requests for advice as you'd expect around what people are doing in the crisis with staff um, mm. you know and having to look fairly critically at their businesses and considering making some difficult decisions um, and, and furloughing as many of their staff as, as they're able to which you know, is, is a good thing because that's protecting jobs um, you know it's maintaining the status quo and pressing pause on any um, difficult decisions that might have may have been made without the furloughing provisions being in place mm. I think would have been seeing people losing their jobs being made redundant being laid off um, so the furloughing is 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 a welcome relief from that point of view that um, at least we're maintaining the status quo and business is able to cope with the staff costs and salary costs um, but it's complex you know it's been difficult because we've you know, we've been getting the provisions and the regulations being drip-fed through um, from the government. And whilst they're very welcome, obviously, in a time of crisis, um, you, the, the government can't consult on these things to the extent that they perhaps might do with ordinary legislation and regulation. They're having to push out emergency remedies quite quickly. And as you'd expect, that means that there are then lots of unanswered questions and loopholes and things that haven't been clarified and we're having to wade our way through the um, regulations and welcome provisions, but then come out with some sensible practical advice for clients in this time of crisis. Um, and that's proven that, difficult. Does that put more pressure then on, on the, on the lawyers to, to be able to, to be advising when regulation is, is constantly changing and when you've perhaps got questions as well that you can't answer. Does that, does that put more pressure yeah. on? Yeah, it puts enormous pressure on. Um, and it's, you know, and I suppose it, what's unprecedented about this is that, you know, we used to working under pressure. We used to clients, you know, uh, being demanding and, and requiring advice quickly and urgently, but perhaps not all at the same time. Mm. So, you know, we've got every single one of our employer clients contacting us at the same time saying, I need to, to I need to, I need urgent advice and I need, um, to furlough my staff um, and yeah okay you know you, you you can deal with clients inquiries being urgent but as I say it's it's the tornado and it's the fact that um, everybody wants it at the same time uh, that's proving challenging for everybody and, and I've got an amazing team of lawyers um, who have risen to the challenge um, it would have been very easy for people to throw their hands up in the air and say this is not possible but actually They've rolled their sleeves up and said, let's get this sorted out, um, which is absolutely amazing. I'm very proud of them all to uh, what, they're, what they're doing. Um, I can't think of any client that has gone unanswered. Um, wow. and we're dealing with that and, yeah, and, and giving really good, solid, practical advice because what people don't want now is what they, they want clarity. They want certainty. What they don't want is wishy-washy lawyer advice saying, well, you could do this, you could do that, you know, and a range of options available. That, that's not going to work. What people want is to say, look, this is the situation. We've synthesised and digested the regulations and this is our advice and give good, solid, practical advice so that people know what to do. And that's what clients need now. They, they, they need a really good, clear, concise um, clarity. Mm. And hopefully that's what we're providing. Well, that's what it seems to be the feedback anyway that I'm getting from clients is that you know, we're dealing with it. We're also liaising with a lot of business groups. You know, we do work with Vistage and the CBI and other, and other groups as well. And it's, from my perspective, been really, really impressive to see the way British business is reacting to it. You know, I, I, get, I get the privilege to speak to lots of businesses in all sorts of sectors, you know, retail, professional services, manufacturing, 
um, technology and recruitment. And it has been amazing to see the British business person rolling his and her sleeves up and thinking, right, let's let's deal with this. Let's think it through. Let's be proactive, positive, and um, you know, thinking about their staff, obviously thinking about their business. How are we going to make okay, our business to survive? And I think in those situations, they need a they need a law firm that partners with them, you know. And I think that's where advisors, whether it be lawyers, accountants, you know, that that's where you're you are demonstrating the ability to rather than just provide reactive advice that you are actually in a partnership. Um, and I think that's probably the difference that, that I'd like to think that we make as Owen Mitchell is that you know our, our approach to things is is a partnership approach, standing shoulder to shoulder with the clients, and that includes in a time of crisis. But well, yeah, yeah, as I say, it, British it, business has been amazing. And it's interesting because what I'm hearing from from you is that um, for your company, you're busier than ever. And yet you're advising clients who are at the other end of the spectrum, whose income has probably dropped off a cliff or, you know, was substantially reduced or is having to change in a in a dramatic way. How are you how are you managing to partner and stay relevant, knowing that emotionally your experience is vastly different from your client's experience. Yeah, well, I think that's, that, that comes down to understanding your clients, mm. you know, and, 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 and listening carefully and then providing advice that is relevant uh, to the situation that they're in. We've been really careful at the moment, you know, because it, it would be very easy to sort of, how do I put it, you know, profiteer and capitalise on the situation that people are in. And what we're trying to do really is... is is to be softer in our approach, you know, so we're not being too salesy. We're not being too sort of um, uh, viewing it as an opportunity to, you know, rack up a big bill. I think the way we're looking at this is that people remember their advisors and their, their you know, their professional network in a time of crisis. Who was there when I, when I really needed it? Mm. And did they help me and sort me out? That's, you know, great profile raising from our perspective. And it's the right thing to do. You know, this is a time of crisis, which we're all in it. And I think it is the right thing to be doing, to be looking as, a, as to be as supportive as we can, recognising that our clients, and, and different clients will be in different different stages of the crisis, you know. Um, talking to a retail client earlier on, and they're doing really well. But they've had to adapt, obviously, and they've had to take out some some jobs that aren't perhaps uh, as, as essential at the moment, but their online business is up, you know, 800%. Wow. And, you know, and, then, uh, and, they're, and they're also, because their stores are open to the public as well as wholesale, they're seeing a huge increase. So, you know, that, that they're in a, in a place where the crisis is impacting them. They'll say, you could argue positively, but actually, you know, being too busy is also a pressure in a crisis, mm -hmm. as well as some businesses where, they are, you know, clearly in a position where they're having to say we've got to mothball things. But I was talking to, you know, and the resilience of the business is interesting. I was talking to a client um, the other day, you know, and they do they provide chocolating stuff, and they do some amazing work with some of the the, the retailers on high street, such as Pret, you know, um, one of their big clients. Pret have obviously closed all their shops, so you know, so there's, um, you know, there's the, the, there is that issue. So they could have just said, well, that's it, that's we're done, you know, but instead they they dusted off some other business plans that they'd had previously um, and approached some of the large um, supermarket chains to say, well, we, we'd spoken to you a while ago about producing protective screens so that your cashiers and, and other frontline staff are, are protected as much as possible, but whilst able to maintain the service to the customers. Naturally, the supermarkets went, fantastic idea, let's bring it to life. Um, can you produce 60,000 protective screens, please, for 
a, a number of the, the well-known high street uh, retailers. So straight away an opportunity, A, to be helping and providing something positive, but also you know, keeping their business going. So again, it's a, a good example of resilience and that kind of proactive approach that I'm seeing with business at the moment, which is, which is brilliant. And we have to do the same thing. So I think that's the thing, Jude, is that you know, we're, we're having to react um, and, uh, and track the clients and what their requirements are and react accordingly. And, and I think that's um, something that we're doing quite well, you know, and as I say, we've got some fantastic teams at Over Mitchell um, who are thinking, you know, scratching their heads and thinking, right, how are we going to do this? And then getting on with it, you know, and, and, and reacting. Uh, and it, it has to be client-led, you know, we have to listen to the clients and then provide a relevant advice and support service in those situations, which the teams are doing a brilliant job doing that. Yeah, and I think you know what you're speaking to as well is is the um, not just the resilience, but the innovation and the two going hand in hand, um, because that's that's the way that some businesses are going to to survive and thrive, isn't it? By by actually innovating and doing things in a different way. Yeah, we're all having to do that. You know, as a business, mm. we, we've had to we've we've gone from you know. I like you, you know, I'm a people person. I, we, and, as, as, and as a, you know, as human beings, we need that social interaction. You know, we, we generally, most people like to be around people and they want to interact with people and that, that requires face to face. And we've all had to adjust and adapt to the fact that, um, you know, we've had to put nearly, get nearly 3000 people working remotely from home. I will never, ever complain about our IT systems ever again. They have been amazing. Um, And to have done that, you know, and get everybody up and running, you know, of course there was the odd bump in the road with access, but generally speaking, everybody is working uh, well and from home. And that change has been enormous. Mm. You know, I feel like I've been, we've been in it for two months. It's only been a week, but actually, you know, it, 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 it is quite impressive. And I suppose it's 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 reflective of uh, as human beings, we're not mad about change, but we are quite good at it when we do embrace it. And I it's think you know we isn't it? we yeah. have been brilliant at changing the way we work, and it's started to become the new normal. You know, mm. the Zoom the Zoom conversations that we're having, and lots of telephone conferences. And I think, from my point of view, you know, in this situation as a leader, that's really important that we keep that communication going. There's a lot of people very worried, lots of people very concerned, you know, and and it is an anxious time. It's it's unpleasant, you know. I, I've got colleagues who are holed up in a you know an apartment in one of the cities um, and haven't seen anybody properly for ten days. You know, that's not not great when you've suddenly had to switch into that that sort of working environment. So I think the more we can do um, as leaders in this situation around communication and that can just be picking up the phone saying, how's things, how are you feeling, what you're up to, mm. um, as well as obviously the business side of things where we're having lots of conference calls and meetings and things, which is, is important. So looking after each other, you know, that's one of the things I've seen. I've been absolutely humbled by the way in which at Owen Mitchell, the guys have been looking after each other, being really kind to each other. You know, I was talking to one of my colleagues the other day um, and she'd gone home to her family um, out, out of the Midlands and, got, and gone, up, gone home to be with them, which made absolute sense. So her apartment was sitting in town and then one of our other colleagues, she didn't have, there was no, the Wi-Fi wasn't working in her apartment block. So um, my, the other colleague said, well, listen, why don't you decamp over to my flat? And go in there, bring your bring your lunch with you, and then sit there and do your working day from my flat where the Wi-Fi is really good. 
what a nice thing to do, you know, basically mm -hmm. my flat's open to you, go, go across and, and do your work from there if it makes life easier for you. Yeah. So just little small things like that where people are, you know, thinking about each other and looking after each other and being really kind. I think that's amazing. And that's, and, you know, and that we I've really seen that come out, not, not just at Owen Mitchell, but generally, you know, people mm -hmm. are really looking after, looking out for each other and being kind to each other. And the same with business, as I say, you know, they, they are genuinely feeling for their staff. And I haven't seen very many examples of people looking at it, looking at it as an opportunity for shedding jobs or anything. You know, people are looking at this and thinking that we're in a crisis together. And it's, um, it's scary for lots of people, you know. It is, it is scary for lots of people. But I, I just want to pick up on the, on the kindness. Do you think that um, when, when we're in our everyday, normal working life, we almost forget to the importance of connection and the importance of kindness and actually it takes a crisis like this to remind us of how important it is to connect because it's so easy for all of us to be socially socially isolated and yet one of the things i'm finding is i've got you know i've got clients that will text me and say how are you doing and because they know that I'm socially isolated. They know that my work has almost ground to a halt. And, and so clients and suppliers who perhaps might not contact me in between are reaching out and friends are. And um, do you think we're making more of an effort to connect and to be kind? And do you think that's something that we can learn from and continue to do more of when, when things get back to normal, whatever that is? Yeah, no, no, it's a good, it's a, it's a good question. I think, um, yeah, I think, well, I think, I think a couple of points there from my perspective. I think um, a crisis like this does bring out the best in people, um, not everybody, but the vast majority of people are looking at this. And particularly when it's a crisis that we're all in, you know, mm. we are all sharing this pain. There isn't anybody that isn't being impacted by this. So I think there's that, that heightens the sense of empathy, you know, and, and, and I think when when we when we aren't in this situation, you can take it a little bit for granted. Mm. You know, I will never ever take for granted the ability to go into our nice offices in the centre of town and and have that feeling of community and social community. I will never take that for granted. Perhaps again, but maybe we did before. You know, mm. um, and I think there is, um, you know, most people basically want to look after each other and do the right thing. And I think this is where that highlights it. You know if you have got somebody that's a bit more vulnerable or you have got somebody that perhaps isn't dealing with things as well, you know, because mental health and well-being at the moment is a real concern. Mm. Uh, there are a number of people who, who may be generally, you know, the type of person that's a bit anxious in life or have other things going on in their lives. And this crisis just highlights that. But I, I, I think people are generally reaching out and, and, and perhaps we'd have turned a bit of a blind eye to that because we're all so busy previously mm. and just presume that somebody else was going to, talk to them or sort it out or fix it whereas i think that that empathy has definitely been heightened that sense that sense of checking people are okay and making sure that you know we're we're all we've all got a an eye on people that might be you know struggling a bit more than others yeah. and if we can continue with that afterwards that would be amazing you know i think we have learned a lot of lessons i think a lot of my partners will never ever raise an eyebrow when someone says i'm working from home next week you know that that those days are thankfully long gone so it has really accelerated our ability to work more smartly and um uh you know em embracing dig digitalization and the ability to communicate in different ways so i really do hope that we keep that going i really do hope that that's something that comes out of this is that mm -hmm. that we did look after people 
during the crisis that needed a bit, bit, a bit of extra looking after and that we were kind and we were good to people mm. and then we keep that going that's a really important thing and if that's yeah. what comes out of this then you know there's you could argue that some of the misery has been justified well i think there's there's always positives aren't there that that come out of change that is thrust upon us and you know i was interested in your point earlier when you said um we tend we tend to resist change and we don't like change but actually when it's thrust upon us we're really good at it you know <laughs> there's something there's something about the you know i don't know whether it's just a the british spirit or whether it's uh, you know whether it's communities in in general that the human race that we come together in a in a crisis and um but the other thing that i'm interested in your point of view around is the fact that for everybody the experience is different so you know there are some people who are working from home like me where it's it's fairly quiet you know apart from my my dog and my cat occasionally scratching the carpet and you know my husband's working from home but he's he's fairly he's fairly quiet in another room but i'm aware that in you know other people's experience they might be doing homeschooling they might be living with elderly parents um they might be living on their own you know some people are living in apartments in the in this in a city center others might be living on a farm surrounded by greenery and can do long walks in nature i mean we're all having a different experience and therefore we've all got different challenges how how do you how do you respond to that as a leader how do you deal with that uh, you're absolutely right and i think um you know i've i have i'm talking to lots of people every day uh, for obvious reasons making sure that i'm you know checking in on people and making sure people are okay and, and obviously there's the, the work-related discussions that are necessary to take place people are working in some remarkable uh situations you know i've got colleagues that have got very small children you know three two and one and they're trying to deal with that uh, with both them and their partner trying to work at the same time uh, and they're having to do two hours on and two hours off and they're juggling their things and they're doing compressed hours and they're taking one day where they don't do any work at all because they don't need to look after the children there's homeschooling going on as you say which is i, I take my hat off <laughs> to some of my colleagues that are being able to do the day job remarkably well and at the same time you know, are keeping children uh, focused on their online education and things as well. So, again, some amazing resilience, absolutely amazing resilience. And I suppose as a leader, you know, what can you do? I think one is 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 actually appreciate that. You know, that everybody is in a very different situation. You can't assume that they're all sitting there in a nice quiet study with mm. all their IT working brilliantly and 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 sitting there all very nice and happy and nice garden to wander out in at lunchtime and get a bit of sunshine you know people are in very very different circumstances um and they're all coping and they're all trying to cope and i, and I think a bit of understanding around that um you know one of the lots of the questions i'm asking for my sort of leadership team is who have we got that might be in situations that where they're in, in some difficulties and i think people you know people are again resilient they are good with ad adapting to change when it's forced upon them mm. and you know and, and people are coping and, and are getting on with it how well that will be in the next few weeks you know as mm. i say we're kind of in week one week two depending on how you look at it certainly week this is the second week of a proper lockdown um i think that you know we're in that kind of honeymoon period where everyone's adjusting and it's all a little bit exciting and you know novel my worry as a leader is what it's going to look like in the next few weeks, you know, because people will start to be adjusting 
Minaya, when I walk past my study, I automatically slightly shiver slightly because I think I've got to go and spend another eight hours in there or nine hours in there tomorrow. So that must be even more difficult when you're propping yourself up in, you know, at your kitchen table or, you know, or in, in a flat that you're sharing with other people and you're trying to do that and you're all trying to work or you've got kids running around, um, you know, that are getting bored and fractious. Really tricky. And mm. I think we've just got to try and appreciate that and, and make allowances is the big thing. You know, people aren't working the same way that they were before. So expecting people to answer emails immediately or expecting people to be just on call because you happen to want to give them a ring. You know, so I think a little bit of courtesy around the fact that people are juggling stuff. So try and understand what they are, what their challenges are, what's working well for them, what isn't working well. Is there anything you can do to help? And that might just be a bit of moral support or say, do you know what? It's okay. The fact you've got to look after your family is a priority. I know you'll get the work done when you can. Mm. And if that's going to be sending emails tonight at 10 o'clock, that's okay. You know, but also then telling the people that they're sending emails to that there isn't an expectation that you must now be working at 10 o'clock because you've yeah. been working during the day. So I think it's just try, all of us trying to accommodate each other. And I think the leadership role is around playing a part in explaining to people that that's okay. And then the other big thing I think we can do, and I've got some calls set up for later in the week, because I thought do them on Friday where I'm just saying to people, look, if you've got questions, fire them in, send them, send them over to, to, to my PA uh, and, and she'll collate the questions because people might not feel comfortable on a call with 30, 40 other people asking questions. But I want people to keep asking questions. And as I keep saying, I don't know if I know what the answers are. But it, I tell you what I can do is I will find the answer if I don't know what it is. And I think that's what other thing that we can do as leaders is listen, communicate, have some empathy, understand that everybody's different and keep talking to people and keep answering questions. Um, and you cannot underestimate how unsettled and worried people are, you know, because we're going to go through some very, very tough times with, with jobs and people's security. And, you know, people are worried about their finances, worried about paying their rent, worried about paying their mortgages, you know, job security and all those sorts of things. And I think then again, the other big important thing is being open, honest, transparent, you know, giving people the information that you, that, that you can rather than playing playing games and um, being cloak and dagger and clandestine with your responses. People don't need that now. They need honesty, they need clarity, mm. and they need assurances. And I think the other big thing I think as leaders is saying thank you. You know, as I said earlier in our, in our chat, I, I have got some amazing people in the team. They've all been amazing. Everybody's playing a part. Everybody's doing their, doing their bits. And I'm really, really proud of them all. I'm really, really proud of what they're doing. And I don't think as leaders that we can say thank you enough in that situation. Just mm. thank you so much for what you're doing. Thank you so much for your resilience. Thank you so much for the fact that you are keeping things going, giving great advice to our clients, uh, operating in a working environment that is um, often less than ideal. Yeah, and and how how do you how do you think we can keep this going? Because I you know I think you've you've spoken to. The, the resilience and the, and also the fact that this is almost like a honeymoon period where we've done one full week of, of lockdown you know it we're right at the beginning of this process really and none of us know how it's going to end what it's going to look like when it's going to end there's still so many questions that can't be answered how how do how do you keep um how do you keep your team engaged and um and mentally and physically well. I mean, one of the things that I notice is that 
working from home versus working in an office, even just a, a nip to the bathroom is, you know, is a handful yeah. of steps versus 50 meters away. So, yeah. you know, the number of steps I do in a day and because I'm not walking to a train station anymore or any of that, I've, I've halved the number of steps I'm working. So physically, I'm mo much more static. I'm much more, you know, round shouldered because I'm sat in front of a screen all day. But also the, the mental health, how do you, and, and, I, and I don't even know whether you have the answers for this, but how do you keep an eye on physical and mental health and well-being in the, in the coming weeks, not knowing, you know, knowing that you don't know where we're going or how we're going to get there? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, and it's, it's absolutely important. I think, you know, mental well-being um, and physical well-being are going to be two things that we are going to be, you know, we are going to need to be keeping a very close eye both for ourselves but also for our, for our colleagues i think what we're trying to do is um push out as much information as we possibly can um i personally am uh, you know dialing into as many of the meetings as i possibly can in terms of our crisis management teams our hr colleagues who are pulling together all sorts of really good supportive stuff um, and I think it's pushing out as much information as we possibly can where there are areas that we can support. Mm. And that could be social stuff. You know, there's these house party apps and all sorts of things that people are, in, are enjoying, which again is encouraging some, some social activity so that people are feeling part of the team and also not just from a work perspective. I think that bit is really important that people are getting some downtime together and are socialising that there is a, an awful lot available at the moment in terms of supporting people's well-being um, mental health well-being and i think that that side of things is is uh, underestimated i think you know that that is going to become a real pressure point in my view mm. over the next few weeks and it's something that we need to keep a really close eye on and make sure that we're giving as as many of the resources that we've got available to our colleagues so that they've got that access to that and also keeping an eye on them, as we've talked about. And then the physical side, you know, that, that as you say, for some of us, that's great because we can go for a nice walk with the dog or we can, you know, go and have a wander around the back garden and, and, and you know, think about when, when you need to mow that lawn next and all, all that sort of good stuff. But there are a number of people that don't have that luxury. You know, I've talked to some colleagues recently who are, um, you know, city centre based and um, the, the, the most thing they can do is have a little wander around, you know, and walk around empty city streets is... It's pretty demoralizing really you know it's not it's not ideal it's not great um but you know you're still going to try and encourage them to go and have a stretch of the legs and get some fresh air as you say you know we are probably uh, far more uh, less mobile than we than we have been ever by the very nature of things i think that's really important that we're just encouraging people there's been some amazing stuff online you know and my wife has been jumping on the old online pilates and things like that as well but you know and i think that we all raised a smile with these things when they when they first started but actually they're brilliant people you know should be doing it and and getting stuck into some of those things is good and if you can do that as part of a group even better because then you're getting the you're getting the exercise but you're getting some social stuff and if you've got you know a space that's six by four then you've got enough space to be able to do that sort of stuff mm. um so yes yeah, so i think it it, it it is going to evolve i think you're right jude it, you know we're at the very start of this um and what we're all going to look like in three four or five weeks time um from a physical and a, a mental well-being perspective is something that is a bit of a worry you know mm. and but we've got to just keep a really close eye on it and and, and do it all we can 
and a, and a lot of that, as I say, is about sharing good ideas and sharing know-how and making sure that people are aware of the resources that are available. And then it's back to that good old-fashioned thing as leaders that we've got to be communicating, answering the questions that people have got, um, you know, and people need to feel that they, they've got access to those things. Mm. Um, balancing that with also, you know, my view, I'm sure like you, I'm getting literally you know, tens of emails a day from people telling us stuff, providing information, pushing in, pushing stuff out. And I think, you know, we've, we've got to try and synthesize some of that information, pick out the really good stuff and relevant stuff make sure we're sharing that with our colleagues yeah and that's that's not easy is it at the moment with the volume of information that's being that's being pushed out and oh, um, it's incredible, incredible. And, and i guess for you it's even more so because you're you're dealing with the new regulations and the new rules and um you know and the volume of client workload as well so i'm, I'm guessing for you your your brains are fried somewhat <laughs> Yeah, and it's little things like um, you know, you know, we're working off laptops and we're working off iPads and things, and we're used to working off nice big double screens in the office and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and as you said, that that can physically start to take its toll on your eyes and your shoulders and things like that as well. So, you know, that there is um, there is that kind of. I think we're going to start to see it. You know, I think it is going to start to start to become more of an issue, but. Um, we, we've just got to keep sharing stuff, haven't we? Because there is some amazing stuff out there. There is an mm. awful lot of similar stuff getting pumped out. But yeah, but it, it is. It's 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 juggling the fact that we've got a really busy job to do, and we've got to react to the client demands. But we've also got to look after ourselves. Yeah, I think that's really important. Okay. Final question for you, Fergal. What keeps you awake at night right now? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, well, there's, a, there's well, there's probably a, a, you know lots of things really as we as we're looking down the barrel of a global recession, um, you know, and we're sitting in the middle of a, the, the biggest peacetime crisis. Um, so there's all sorts keeping me awake. You know, I, I I worry incessantly about people not sticking to the rules. You know, because we have got an opportunity to 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 kill this crisis off. You know, which is basically stop this blessed virus spreading um, and if people would just stay, keep on as I keep on saying to people if you stay in you cannot get it so you know please stay in I think that's the worrying thing is that people aren't necessarily taking it seriously enough mm. and following the government instruction it's not advice it's instruction um, so that's the bit that worries me you know I worry greatly about the impact it's going to have on some of our more vulnerable people and some of our more aged population um, you know we're, we're, we haven't got to the eye of the storm yet um, so those sort of things worry me. Um, you know, I worry about the resilience of my colleagues and, uh, and making and, and hope and some of the things we've talked about that their mental and physical resilience will will hold up. I'm optimistic that they will because, as I say, they're some very impressive people that are dealing with things in a, in a remarkable way. Mm. Um, and then I think I, you know, I worry generally about what what impact and how many years it's going to take us to get over this you know, because. Uh, a global recession of this size um, and the amount of about its cost society has got to be paid back and I think we are going to see some some very difficult times ahead when it comes to the ability for business global business not just British business um, recovering from this um, so they're the things that worry me greatly really but I'm I'm a generally a fairly positive person so my view on it will always be that no matter what the crisis is, there will be opportunity. And no matter what happens, there will be opportunity. And as I say, as I said earlier in our chat, 
having listened to lots and lots of businesses and their reactions to this, I am really encouraged by the fact that, you know, we have got some wonderful businesses and some wonderful entrepreneurs and some great business leaders out there mm. who are going to embrace this, deal with it positively without getting into, um, into too much of a panic, you know, and, and I think we will come out the other side, you know, and, and, and as a, as a, as a society, you know, we're, the fifth richest economy in the in the world and the third richest economy in Europe, you know, we are uh, in as good a place and better than many mm. to come out the other side of this crisis. Um, and it'll be different. It'll be different. Yeah. And I'm sure it'll take us many, many years to recover, but we definitely will. I think it's a really important message to end on that, that through any adversity, there is always hope and there's always opportunity and it's in the hands of all of us as leaders to to create that isn't it definitely yeah definitely you know this is a challenging time for everybody but it's also a challenging time for leaders you know and leading in a crisis and and leading remotely are not easy mm. not easy but you know i think this is as i always say to leaders you know it, it's fantastic being a leader when things are going really well you know we're all passing each other on the back and it's the best place in the world to be in charge when when you're sitting there smugly thinking that everything's fantastic but the real test of a leader is in a time of crisis and, and, and a, in a situation like this and when a leader is under pressure and a leader is doesn't know all the answers but is being relied upon for you know, for the vision and what we're going to do next and how we're going to get ourselves out of this crisis and then also as you say what what, what are the opportunities and that's the leader's job really is to sift through some of the mire of unpleasantness and say but look there are some real positives in there there are some real opportunities in here for us to keep our business moving keep our business going keep our business relevant and that's going to be you know that's going to be the test of, of real resilient leadership is um is is seeing people step up mm. over the next um next few weeks and months but i think we will i think people will it's not easy but we're doing it thank you so much Fergal, for your time i've really enjoyed this uh, talking to you today so thank you Lo lovely to talk to you jude and uh, keep well keep safe and all the very best yeah you too i loved Fergal's comment that we don't like change but we're actually very good at it when we have to lead through a crisis there's something about the human spirit that brings us together under adversity, isn't there? It's important to remember, as he says, that we're in this for the long haul and we do need to pay attention to our physical and mental well-being beyond the first couple of weeks of this process. And communication is going to be crucial to that. Fergal has shared his experience of leading remotely with an increased workload and all the challenges that that entails. In the coming weeks, I'll be sharing other perspectives too, where businesses have little or no income, experiences of people who are being furloughed, and many, many more different experiences. So that's it for this week. Come back soon and hear some further insights from other people that I interview. And in future, I'll also be sharing some of my insights as well. I was your host, Jude Jennison from Leaders by Nature, author of the book, Leading Through Uncertainty, and if you want to find out more, you can find me on www.judejennison.com. <laughs>